Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Japanese traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. High up in Tagamagahara, the plain of heaven, Prince Ninigi no Mikoto set out two chilled goblets and a bottle of sake. He paced across the formal dining room of his father's richly appointed compound. The gangly youngster had just come of age, which meant he could finally share in his father's favorite activity drinking. Perhaps it could also mean that his father might actually spend time with him for once. Ninigi smiled, awaiting his father's return from his daily visit with Ninigi's grandmother. He didn't wait long. The doors burst open to reveal Ninigi's father, Prince Oshiho Mimi. The frazzled heir to Tagamagahara certainly looked like he needed a drink. There you are, father. I got us some sake. Ninigi poured his father a glass, but Mimi ignored it. He pulled the carafe from his son's hands and chugged it down in seconds. <sighs> Ninigi, where's your mother? At that festival with her sister, remember? Right, right, good. I need you to find my sturdiest travel satchel. Are you joining mother? May I come too? No, I'm going to... Actually, it's better if you don't know. That way your grandmother can't torture you for the answer. What? She wouldn't torture me. I'm her favorite. Oh, of course. To you, she's a kindly matriarch who showers her grandchildren with sweets. But underneath that rice-paper-thin veneer of cordiality, there's a flaming despot who wants to kill me! Father, what did you do? Why do you assume I did anything, boy? You just said that grandmother wants to kill you. Not... Actually, she wants to send me down to the central earthly realm to rule forever. Of course, I refused. <laughs> but that's a great honor. <laughs> oh, so you're saying you never want to see me again? No, I just meant... Quiet! Listen, do you hear that? It looks like you'll get your wish. What do you mean? Your grandmother is here, and it seems she brought an army. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join me as we continue our journey through the Kojiki, the oldest sacred Shinto text from Japan. Today, we meet Ninigi, the grandson of a goddess whose sense of duty sends him on a world-changing adventure full of danger and romance. Coming up, Ninigi plays peacekeeper between two angry gods. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's tale comes from the Kojiki, an ancient Shinto text thought to have been composed sometime between 711 and 712 CE by the poet Ono Yasumaro. It tells the story of the kami, spirits who rule over heaven, earth, and the underworld. They represent everything from the shining sun to the raging sea. But kami are almost human in the way they fight, fall in love, and forge their destinies. It began when Izanami and Izanagi, the first couple, descended the floating bridge of heaven to create the earthly realm. They tasked their daughter Amaterasu with ruling heaven and earth. After a brief debacle where the young sun goddess shirked her duties, she vowed to bring harmony to the realms. But the earthly plane was anything but harmonious, and no matter how many envoys she sent down over the centuries, order gave way to chaos once more. Someone needed to bring order to that chaos, a chosen one. But the god who was chosen had other plans. The doors to Prince Oshiho Mimi's compound burst open, and a blast of hot air filled the hall. Mimi hung back in terror, but his son Ninigi rushed down the hall to look outside. Spear-wielding warriors stood in formation in the courtyard. Above them floated a gigantic flying koi fish, slicing its tail through the clouds. And atop that fish sat Ninigi's grandmother. She was no ordinary elder. She was Amaterasu, the sun goddess, who lit up heaven with her powers of light and heat. Ninigi had never seen her so furious, and her rage was so intense that the clouds around her boiled. Grandmother? It's good to see you, dear. Now send out your father. It's wonderful to see you, too. But my father is, um... Ninigi looked back into the house where his father guzzled Saki in a blind panic. Tell her I'm not here. Mimi, I can hear you. Stop cowering and come out to face your destiny. Grandmother, please, if you could just explain. You want to send father away to the earthly realm? Yes. The sounds of din and destruction rise up through the clouds and rattle our heavenly floating bridge. After a century, the realm needs ruling once more. And that is our family's responsibility. Would it really be forever? I'd never see him again. You're grown now, and I can't imagine it would be a great loss. Honestly, the man loves Saki more than he loves you. Ninigi wasn't used to hearing his grandmother speak so cruelly, and yet he was dismayed that part of him didn't disagree. He cast those thoughts aside. Mimi was his father, and it was his duty to honor him. So he put on a humble smile. 
It's a great honor for my father, and we are both honored that you chose him. Maybe we just need more time to discuss this in a calmer atmosphere. Mimi's brother didn't give me this much trouble when I sent him down. <laughs> Ninigi turned to see his father stumble to the door with a nasty glint in his eye. See, Ninigi, your uncle Hiko, you never met him. He was sent before me. I'm commie enough to admit that he was braver than I, and he didn't subdue anything. He just married some wench, and we stopped hearing from him. He said it was to blend in, but I know he was dying to get out from under mother's thumb. Then, if you could escape grandmother, wouldn't you want to go? If you need help, I could come with you. Ninigi, I don't want to leave heaven. I just want to be left alone. Even if it is your duty to take on my fight? It shouldn't be, Mother. Your parents put the world below together, and it tore their marriage apart. You waged war against the earthly kami and paid dearly for it. My life up here is wonderful, so why should I suffer for an earthly realm I care nothing about? It's not like I could measure up to your greatness anyway. Father, I know you can. Son, you're either lying to me or to yourself. Enough of this chatter! Oshio Mimi, you are hiding from your birthright like a skittish newborn. I just want us to go back to my palace for a conversation. A conversation with armed guards? No, they're not very chatty. You're afraid of my guards? I can't believe I raised such a weakling. Oh, as if you haven't had a moment of weakness before. Both of you, please, stop! Father, Grandmother, I know I'm, well, I'm nobody, really. But there has to be a more sensible way to resolve this. We're family, after all. Ugh, hush. Amaterasu flicked her finger, and Ninigi sailed back a dozen feet through the air and back into the compound hall. She fixed her gaze on her son. Mimi, I'm getting too old to care for everything myself. I'm asking you, from the bottom of my heart, will you please accept this task and rule the Central Realm? My answer is still no. <sighs> Very well. Take him in. Amaterasu's guards marched forward, headed straight for Mimi. There was nowhere for him to run. However, as they closed in on him, Ninigi rushed out in front of Mimi to block their path. The young Kami thought he would delay the guards long enough for his father to escape. But to his surprise, Amaterasu's guards grabbed him instead, without missing a beat. Grandmother, wh what are you doing? Since you're so interested in helping Ninigi, I'm taking you to my palace. And if your father doesn't meet me there by sundown to accept his destiny, I'll send you down to Earth instead. Ninigi and his father barely had time to trade helpless glances before a guard threw Ninigi onto the giant koi fish and Amaterasu flew away with him. Coming up, Ninigi grapples with his grandmother. Imagine living with a secret so big that if anyone ever found out, it would change everything. 
Imagine carrying that secret with you every day, desperate to one day get it off your chest. Do you think you could take a secret like that to the grave? I'm Estefania Hageman, host of the new podcast series, Deathbed Confessions, the show where we dive deep into the most explosive things people have admitted to while drawing their last breath, from murder, fake identities, heists, illicit affairs, and even top government secrets. This season on Deathbed Confessions, we investigate cases like Frank Thorogood, the construction worker who claimed that the drowning of Rolling Stones founder Brian Jones was no accident. Margaret Gibson, a silent film actress who, while dying of a heart attack, confessed to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Hollywood history. And ex-CIA officer Howard Hunt, who on his deathbed confessed to playing a role in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes weekly starting July 21st. Follow and listen to Deathbed Confessions for free on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Up in the heavenly plain of the gods, a giant koi fish flew through the clouds. Atop it sat the sun goddess Amaterasu, guiding the fish toward her gleaming palace. Strapped in behind her was her hostage Ninigi, her beloved grandson. Or at least, he thought he was beloved. When his father refused to leave the heavens to rule the earthly realm, Amaterasu had captured Ninigi and threatened to send him down instead. Unless Oshiho Mimi came to the palace by sundown to accept his fate. Ninigi was devastated, and his morale didn't improve when he caught a glimpse of his dark destiny. They flew over the floating bridge of heaven, a pristine bamboo structure that curved down into dark clouds and swirling mist. The boundary between heaven and earth had grown thick, but Ninigi could still hear the chaos of the wild, reedy world below. Despite her rashness, Amaterasu was right. The central realm needed order. Now, questions filled Ninigi's head, louder even than the din. Would she really send me down there? Could I rule the earth? Could I do it better than father? Or will he rescue me before I have to find out? Amaterasu looked back at Ninigi, then reached into her robe's pocket. Careful, sweet. You're looking skinny, dear. I've lost my appetite. Come now, boy. I've never known you to sulk. That's what I like about you. I've never known you to kidnap your own grandchildren. And I don't like that about you. Oh, no. Uh, forgive me, uh, great goddess. That was rude. <laughs> Relax, my little ripening rice ear. Your father just needed motivation. So I'm only a pawn to you? Of course. Grandchildren make excellent pawns, reason enough to have them. I didn't know you to be so cruel. Well, now you do. Niniki looked up at the afternoon sun and prayed it would not set.
Oshiho Mimi stood at his front door and stared at the same sun. It hung lower in the sky, but not low enough for early evening. It taunted him, reminding him that he still had time to save his son, if he was brave enough. Mimi cast a glance toward his mother's palace where he'd grown up, where he'd sworn to be a good son, where his own good son was waiting for rescue. Mimi stumbled down the front walkway. He gave a last look at the sun and the palace before he ran in the other direction. In Amaterasu's palace, Ninigi stood by his grandmother's golden throne and watched the sun. It was still unnaturally high, and it was scorching the heavens. Guards stood silently at the courtyard gates, but Ninigi could hear rasping breaths in their parched throats. The 40-foot pines that shot up around the courtyard were on the verge of death, their trunks dry and their leaves singed brown. Even Amaterasu's giant fish, who usually swam in the air, lay on the ground, flopping listlessly. Ninigi feared the poor creature would fry. The only moisture in the room came from Amaterasu, who sat on her throne. Her eyes were closed and her brow was furrowed, and sweat poured from her body. Ninigi felt a twinge of compassion. He knew why it was so hot. His grandmother was using every bit of her strength to keep the sun up in hopes that Mimi would come. Ninigi was still mad, but he couldn't stand to see her suffer. With a glance at the dazed guards, he crept up to the throne and put a hand on her shoulder. <gasps> as soon as a startled Amaterasu opened her eyes, the sun dropped through the clouds and night fell across the heavenly plain. Mimi's time was up. I'm sorry, but I don't think father is coming for me. No, my child. I don't think he is either. He's a coward. I see that now. He's unworthy of being your son. Oh, he is quite worthy. You see, he gets his cowardice from me. What do you mean? Nanigi, there's this streak in our family souls like blood clouding a clear blue stream. It's the pride that made my father abandon my mother when she became a corpse in the land of roots, even though their love was the first and purest of all. It's my own cowardice and pettiness. Grandmother, I thought you were the most honorable soul in heaven. Or at least I did, until today. I wasn't always. At your age, I behaved quite rashly. Once I abandoned my rule and hid in a cave to sulk, the heavens were plunged into darkness for a year. What got you out? My fellow Kami had to tempt me. They sent one of their more promiscuous sisters to do a dance outside the cave. I had to investigate. The dancer lured me out with a magic mirror that showed me my reflection and made me think I'd been replaced with a goddess more beautiful than myself. <sighs> <laughs> I 
So you see, I'm terribly vain, too. Sorry. A striptease and a magic mirror. I suppose you had to be there. <laughs> Nanigi, I don't know why flawed souls like us were chosen to rule this mess we call existence. I can't blame Mimi for saying no. I'm not even surprised he abandoned you. Nothing surprises me anymore. Maybe I can. I'll do it! I'll go down and rule the earthly realm. Surprise? The grandmother in me wants to tell you to stop babbling and put you to bed. But the goddess, she's listening. And she's not a fan of idle promises. It's not idle. You've worked hard to get here, and you deserve someone to help shoulder the burden. Father doesn't care for me, and Mother's always away, anywhere but here. If I won't be missed up here, at least I can be of use down there. Amaterasu rose from her throne, peering at her grandson as if she were seeing him for the first time. You will be missed, and you shall not go down empty-handed. Come with me. Down in Amaterasu's armory, Ninigi knelt on the ground. His grandmother had disappeared into the chamber's dark recesses, but soon he saw a blade glimmer in the moonlight. Amaterasu emerged from the shadows, bearing a sword in one hand and a necklace with a shining green jewel in the other. Here are the most powerful weapons in my possession. Kusanagi no Tsurugi. The grass-cutting sword, a symbol of valor that slices true. And in this necklace is Yasakani no Magatama, the grand jewel, a gift of benevolence, which you may give to the worthy woman who steals your heart. Worthy woman? Yes, you will have to marry down there, child. How else will you unite heaven and earth? Next is Yatano Kagami, the Eightfold Mirror. Amaterasu pulled a large circular mirror from the wall and placed it in Ninigi's hands. He stared at his reflection and was stunned to see Amaterasu's reflection behind him, even when she was standing in front of him. This is the mirror they used to lure me out of the cave long ago and part of me will always be within it. If you feel lost, look inside and remember that you have my love at your back. Now, one more thing. Is that a grain of rice? The first to be taken to the earthly realm where you will plant it. The resulting field will provide work for your new subjects and give you the means to feed them. <laughs> It's tiny, so make sure it doesn't fall out of your pocket. Yes, Grandma. Uh, great goddess? I know this isn't the bravest request, but will you take me down the floating bridge? I don't know what the terrain is like under all those storm clouds. Oh, there are too many kami in the central realm who would try and slay me on sight. But there is a kami who owes me a debt. Anne knows the way. It may take some convincing, but I know she'll dance at the chance to curry my favor. So, is this goodbye? 
a goodbye to my grandson, and hello to Ninigi no Mikoto, king of the central realm, a ruler who will make me proud. Amaterasu wrapped Ninigi in a tight hug. She couldn't see his eyes widen as he took stock of the massive responsibility before him. Amaterasu's orders took sheltered Ninigi somewhere he'd never been. Not the earthly realm, yet. But in the dead of night, he found himself on the seedier side of heaven. He walked through reddish-purple clouds that parted to reveal a rickety tavern that looked unsafe in every sense. Ninigi took a deep breath, making sure the jewel was around his neck, the sword was at his side, and the mirror was strapped to his back. Then he stepped between a set of red curtains. Ninigi walked into a torch-lit room and recoiled. The air was heavy with pipe smoke and thick with the stench of sake and sweat. Every drunk there reminded him of his father. Ninigi shook those thoughts away, walked up to a servant and tried his best to sound confident. Pardon me, good sir. Where may I find someone called Uzume? The kami wordlessly pointed to a stage at the back of the tavern. There stood a woman in a thick white cloak, black gloves, and a red headscarf tied around her heart-shaped face. She looked so pious, so sweet and welcoming and wise, that Ninigi instantly knew she was his chosen guide. Then the woman smiled a decidedly unpious smile before dropping her cloak to reveal a much skimpier set of red robes, and Uzume's dance began. Every kami fell into a trance as she undulated across the stage, as graceful as a cat. She removed her headscarf and long black hair tumbled down her back. As she waved the scarf in mesmerizing patterns, the torchlight danced across the silver streaks in her hair. Ninigi was entranced too, but he had a mission, so he awkwardly pushed his way past annoyed spectators on his way to the stage. When he reached the raised platform, Uzume looked down at him with a curious smile and a hint of annoyance in her deep brown eyes. She kept dancing and smiling and stripping while she muttered secretly to Ninigi. What's a nice boy like you doing in this denison? Miss Uzume, I need to speak to you. It's urgent. <laughs> That's what they all say. Watch out for the gloves. Uzume removed her silky gloves and tossed them aside. Ninigi ducked. Ugh. No, you don't understand. Amaterasu sent me. Quiet! That name's a real mood killer in here. I'm sorry. It's just... No, I'm not sorry. I'm here because you owe her a debt. That's a matter of opinion. She orders you to escort me down the floating bridge of heaven so that I may take my place as ruler of the central realm. I'm afraid I'll have to pass. 
Miss, I don't appreciate your tone. Then here's a new tone. Get away from my stage! Uzume ripped off her skirt, tossed it over Ninigi's head, and shoved him until he tumbled to the ground. When he pulled the skirt off his face, he saw that half the crowd was booing and the other half was laughing at him. That's when Ninigi felt it, the dark streak in his soul, the same one that cursed his father and grandmother. It was pride and rage and vanity coursing through his blood, and it made him feel strangely powerful. He was the grandson of Amaterasu, so powerful that he leapt on stage, drew his sword, and pointed it at Uzume's throat. Coming up, Ninigi tries to turn an enemy into an ally. Now back to the story. Those who came to the dark little tavern on the wrong side of heaven were there to see the goddess Uzume dance. They certainly didn't come to see a young man point a sword at the lovely woman's neck. But Prince Ninigi was tasked with descending the floating bridge to take control of the central realm, and his grandmother Amaterasu insisted that Uzume would show him the way. So with rage coursing through him, he held his sword out and prayed that no one saw how it trembled. He knew he couldn't really hurt this woman, but he prayed that no one else realized that. Uzume's eyes flitted between the blade at her neck and the crowd that was still in the palm of her hand. Then, to Ninigi's amazement, she laughed. <laughs> you can unclench, gentlemen. <laughs> this, this is old hat for the goddess of mirth and revelry. <laughs> A young man sees me in a state of undress and gets so riled up that he whips out his big old sword. <laughs> happens all the time. Put the blade down, please. Not until you come with me. <laughs> he persists. Lucky for me, I'm a disarming sort of girl. Uzume snapped her fingers and her undergarments dropped to the floor. She winked at Ninigi. The young man jumped back in shock and dropped his sword. Ninigi was a laughingstock again. He felt his dark streak flare up again. He took a deep breath and pushed it down. Wielding the sword was a lost cause for now, but it wasn't the only gift his grandmother Amaterasu had given him, like the magic eight-fold mirror strapped to his back. Ninigi hoisted it off his shoulders and pointed it at the crowd. The crowd saw themselves in the mirror, and they also saw Amaterasu standing behind them. Now, the men who came to this tavern weren't easily cowed, but if there's one thing you don't want to see in a din of iniquity, it's the great sun goddess. So every single one of them turned and ran. Thanks for your patronage. Don't forget to tip your commie servers on the way out since they'll be mopping up your drool. P 
pigs. Uzume threw her cloak on. She stomped over to sit in an empty seat and swig from an abandoned bottle. Then she leveled her gaze at Ninigi, who had picked up his blade once again. So, you have the sword and the eightfold mirror. I take it you're the sun goddess's spawn? Grand spawn. I am Ninigi, and Prince Oshihomimi is my father. Ugh, Mimi. Not my favorite customer. My father comes here? All the royal kami do. They'd never admit to it. But since I've been banned from most of the heavenly plane, they have to seek out my dancing. Just like you have. I'm not here for dancing. I'm here for your guidance down to the central realm. And I'm here to say what I said before. No. Now, if you're anything like your father, this is why you bully me. But no matter what slurs you call me or how many bits you chop me into with that tacky blade, I'm not helping your family. Fine. I'll go alone. No matter how scary it is. Ninigi strapped the mirror to his back, held his sword high, and started for the door in a huff. You should be scared, because you'll die. That bridge isn't a bridge, it's a death trap. An obstacle course of doom. If you don't fall through a crack, a thunder kami will blow you to bits. And if you miraculously survive those, well, just wait till you meet the earthly kami. How do you know all this? I've done shows down there. Rough crowd. You seem almost decent. So here's my advice. Sell your granny's trinkets and start over on a cloud far, far away. I can't. This mission is my birthright. A sacrifice for greater harmony that no one else wants to make. I'm asking for your help. Ugh, how noble. What's in it for me? Well, nothing. Because you owe my grandmother. Again, a matter of opinion. So I ask once more, what's in it for me? What do you want? Gold? Jewels? Have those. Bored of those. What I want is an apology from your grandmother so I can finally be free. What does she have to apologize for? You're in her debt. Amaterasu has lied for a thousand years, and she's so good at her radiant goddess act that none of you can see how deceitful she is. No, I know she's not perfect. Please, tell me your side of the story. Ugh, as if you'd listen. Ninigi set his sword down, then walked over to sit across from Uzume. I'm all ears. Uh, well, ages ago, she had this little snit and plunged us into eternal winter. I was in charge of royal entertainment at the time, so the other kami had me throw a party right outside the cave she hid in. My party and my dancing lured her out, brought up the sun, and restored her reputation. Doesn't that mean she owes you? Thank you, yes, but Amaterasu said I broke the law by tricking her. She ran me out of the royal court and I've been playing sordid taverns ever since. If I got an apology or a pardon, I could keep dancing but stop running, settle down, open my own tavern, and meet a handsome kami who makes me eternally miserable. <laughs> but in a sweet way. Can you get me all that? No, I can't change my grandmother's mind, as much as you deserve her apology. But 
Get me to the Central Realm in one piece, and you'll be a queen down there. I'll make you my head of entertainment, and I'll conjure you up a tavern, and, uh, I don't know about finding you a husband, but I can try. Stop babbling. Kings don't babble. Huh. I was wrong. You're not almost decent. You may actually be fully decent. So you'll help? I swear, I'll be your friend and ally for life. Then let's get down there, so I can collect. Ninigi and Uzume traveled to the floating bridge, arriving just as dawn broke through the clouds. Ninigi looked up at the sun and felt his grandmother's warmth shine down upon him. Then he looked at the bridge and the shining bamboo surface that curved into the menacing clouds below. Little king, don't make me regret this. <laughs> Same to you. Don't lead me over the edge. Oh, but it would be so funny. Whew, down we go. As soon as they stepped through the dense clouds, a chill crept down Ninigi's wiry frame. He couldn't see or hear much of anything in the swirling mist, save for crackles of lightning and a strange wail that he hoped was just the wind. Even more concerning was the state of the bridge. The bridge was pristine above the fog, but down here within it, its bamboo slats were charred by lightning or rotted by mist. In some places, the railings had fallen off entirely. I don't understand. It looks like no one's tended to this bridge in centuries. Funny, your grandmother's palace still looks as new as the day it was built. Well, that'll change once I'm in power. I'll make sure that heaven and earth work together to fix things. Ah! Ninigi fell through a rotten bamboo slat, but Uzume caught him just in time. Careful, Ninigi. Just follow my lead. I'll show you the dance. Ninigi watched Uzume creep and stretch and hop down the bridge's curve, navigating the dangers with cunning and grace. He tried to follow suit, and though he could never match her elegance, he did not fall through. Ninigi didn't know how he'd have made it without her. Down they crawled for hours until Ninigi collapsed onto a solid part of the bridge to catch his breath. Uzume sat beside him, though she was far less winded. What's wrong, Kinglet? Wanna go back? <laughs> no. Do you? I never look back. Unless it's to nurse a thousand-year-old grudge? <laughs> Touché! Ninigi watched as Uzume smiled. Not the smirk she used on stage, but a real, heartfelt grin. It only lasted a second before her face contorted in horror. Look out! Ninigi looked up behind him to see a figure racing through the air toward the bridge, electric blue lightning in the shape of a man. The kami reached out and a thunderbolt burst from his form and shot straight for Ninigi and Uzume.
The bolt struck the side of the bridge, carving a chunk out of what was left of the railing. Ninigi and Uzume scrambled up. The kami was almost upon them. Ninigi clenched his jaw, then took a firm stance. We have to run! What are you doing? Showing this kami who's king. Uzume shut her eyes. Ninigi drew his grandmother's sword, and when the kami reached them, he swung the sharp blade into the sky and cleaved the lightning beast in half. Uzume opened her eyes to see Ninigi standing triumphant under a shower of sparks. He looked older somehow, bold and strong. You just may make it down there, little king. Ninigi blushed and fumbled to put the sword away, but he was more than a little shaken after his first kill, so he missed the sheath. The sword sliced through his robe, piercing his pocket, and the grain of rice Amaterasu gave him fell out and bounced down the bridge. Ninigi gasped. This was his gift to the world below. He couldn't lose it. So he broke into a run and chased the tiny grain down the curve of the bridge. He heard Uzume yell, but he blocked her out. He blocked everything out but the sound of the grain plinking down the wooden slats. He skidded down the bridge, leapt over a massive hole, and caught the grain of rice. Ninigi let out a whoop of joy, just as the bridge collapsed under him. He fell through clouds, slats of wood raining down around him. All he could do was clutch the rice as the clouds parted to reveal the earthly realm below him. Before everything went black, the last thing Ninigi did was smile. My kingdom. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. Tune in next Tuesday to find out if Ninigi survives his fall and rises to conquer the earthly realm. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic fable. We'll be back next week with the conclusion of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Brian Kim, Albert Park, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thank you.